we've put together a brand new sample of RAR Premium. So if you've been on the fence about joining us inside RAR Premium, you can get a free sample now to see if it's a good fit for your family. To get that free sample, go to readaloudrevival.com slash sample or just text the word RAR sample like it's all squished together in one word. <laughs> RAR sample to the number 33777. Okay, here's the show. Hey, hey, Sarah McKenzie here. I'm your host here at the Read Aloud Revival Podcast, the show that helps your kids fall in love with books and helps you fall in love with homeschooling. Today on the show, I want to introduce you to one of my new favorite authors. She's younger than most published authors. In fact, she says she decided to publish her first book at nine years old. When she was 10, she attended her first writing conference. When she was 13, she self-published her first book. She was homeschooled. You probably could have already guessed that. <laughs> and she has been on a roll ever since. Now she's 20 and she's making books I know your families are going to love. I'm telling you, she is Read Aloud Revival people, and we have some fun, fun things to tell you in this episode. Melly Florence, welcome to the Read Aloud Revival. Hello, Sarah, and hello, everyone. I am so excited to be here. Oh, my goodness. I've grown up listening to this podcast, so it's a very surreal feeling to be here. <laughs> it's so fun. I've always dreamed about, like, maybe one day... We'll, we'll like get to meet authors who grew up listening to the podcast or grew up reading books on our book list and things. And they, it's so fun. <laughs> we should tell everybody actually about how we met. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Because it is a it's a very fun story. <laughs> it is. We're at that. Was it? It was Missouri, right? It was in Missouri yes. at the Great Homeschool Conference. You tell it, actually. <laughs> All right. I'll be interested to hear your perspective as well. But yeah, so yeah. I and I've been going to um, great homeschool conventions and selling books for like three years at this point. So this was my third year at the convention. And of course, Sarah had been here all the years I'd been there in the past as well, but we never met. And I think mm -hmm. there was also a part of me that was like a little bit nervous because, to like go <laughs> seek you out because I'm like, it's Sarah McKenzie. Um, <laughs> it's not intimidating, I promise. I'll just give you a hug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I found that out very quickly as you'll, as you'll see. Yeah. <laughs> So it's my third year at the convention and it's the, I just got off from my booth and me and my dad and my sister decide to go to um, a restaurant to get dinner. And it's like 10 o'clock at night at this point. This is normal dinner time hour for yeah. people who work at a convention, by the way. Yeah. If you're speaking or exhibiting at a convention, you know, this is, this is 10 o'clock is like when you finally get to eat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we head out of our hotel room and get in the elevator and it goes down a couple floors and then the elevator doors open and who happens to step on but Sarah McKenzie and <laughs> Colleen uh, yes. Kessler, who's also a podcast that I'm familiar with. Yep. And I'm just standing there, I think frozen for a good three seconds. <gasps> I think I kind of like tap on your shoulder. I'm like, oh my goodness, you're Sarah McKenzie. Um, and we have like a 30 second conversation, I guess, where I, I'm basically like, 
hi, I'm a big fan of your podcast. You give me a hug. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm also an author at this at Great Homeschool Conventions. I have a booth in the vendor hall. And yeah, my name is Millie Florence. And um, you're like, yeah, I'll maybe come check it out later. And that that was our first conversation. It was just like 30 seconds in the elevator. And I remember afterwards walking out of the elevator with my dad and my sister to the car and just like the excitement around me. I'm like, oh my goodness, I just met Sarah McKenzie. The elevator was like an extra great detail because in the writing world, we're always told you need to be ready to talk about your work and what you do in an, what they call an elevator pitch. So if yes. you're ever in, an ed- in the elevator with an editor or something and they say, what are you working on? You can give them like a 20 second pitch on your book and it, they're called elevator pitches. And so it's just kind of funny that it's actually really was, it was a literal oh. elevator pitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And also, so at these conferences, I do tend to get approached by a lot of um, publishers, independent publishers, curriculum makers, authors. So it's so interesting to me that I did absolutely tell you, like, I'm going to come check out your booth. And I usually do. Like, when I say that, I usually, sometimes Mm -hmm. I can't get there. I try. But it's like, sometimes conferences, they're so nuts. They're so busy for me that sometimes I can't get there. But I was like, I'm going to go try. But something stuck out about you. I just think that I got like a little Holy Spirit nudge or something that was like, hey. Oh, same. That whole moment, that whole conversation was 100% like, God planned this. Yeah. Because I got back to my hotel room that night after I had finished eating and was like, oh, what was her name? Millie, Millie. It was Millie something. So I start looking. I don't think you gave me your card, did you? I don't think so. Maybe. I didn't. Okay. Yeah. So I found you. It's a Holy Spirit nudge. And I just started like poking around on your website and was like, huh. I watched a couple of your little YouTube shorts where you're talking about story arc, character transformation was like, this girl knows what she's talking about. And I just started that night. I bought uh, Honey Butter, your first, the book that you self-published at 13 on my Kindle and started reading it. was like, wait, <laughs> she published this at 13? <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> so then I, I sought you out, I think, the next day. Is that right? I'm, I can't remember exactly. Well, okay. So I, I have a little bit of the story that needs to happen before we get to the second oh. time we meet, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because... You you say, you know, oh, it's you get really busy at conventions, so you're not always able to stop by people's booths even when you tell them you will. And quite honestly, I wasn't expecting you to because I know, like, how, how busy you are, right? So me and my dad were talking, like, that night because I was still very excited that I'd met you. We were <laughs> like, okay, what you need to do is go over to her booth the next day and be like, hey, remember me from the elevator? And then you, we, you know, then we can talk. So that's that's what I have in mind okay. going into yeah. the next day. Okay. The next day, and I don't think I've ever actually told you this, Sarah, but the next day I'm at my booth um, signing a book for someone and another mom comes down the aisle, goes straight to my booth, picks up a copy of Honey Butter and goes, hey, can I buy this? Sarah McKenzie just told me it was phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> right, you gotta bear in mind yeah <laughs> and you gotta bear in mind like it was a 30 second conversation in the elevator and then the next day someone is buying my book because you recommended it and I think I asked this mom this poor mom like three times are you serious did she actually say that what happened 
<laughs> you didn't know I read the whole book like that no. night in my hotel room. Mm-hmm. I'm a reader, you guys. I couldn't stop reading it. <laughs> also, the protagonist in Honey Butter is a homeschool character, which is something I know a lot of read aloud families are like, man, I wish there was more books with homeschoolers in them. So I was like, ooh, this could totally be a book that our people would be interested in. So that was fun. Yeah. That was, yeah, so that was a very cool experience. And yes, it does have a homeschool character. One of the two main characters Mm -hmm. is a, well, she was a homeschooler. And during the time of the book, she's a road schooler because her parents are traveling around while homeschooling, which is very fun. Yeah. Did you ever do that in your homeschooling? We did not. It's something our family has talked about because I, we, we have traveled a bit, but it's never been for an extended period of time. Yeah, same. I'm really big. I love traveling. I love traveling with my family. The idea of all of us being in the same, like, trailer I like I mean I really like my people yeah (laughs) I also really like my space I don't know my sister's family has done road schooling and it's very inspiring all the different places that you can go I'm always kind of jealous of like oh look how many experiences they can have sounds amazing I read your first book. That was Honey Butter. And then um, you've been on a roll, like I said at the in the intro here. You've been on a roll ever since. But before we talk about your specific books and the very exciting things happening with your specific books right now, yes. <laughs> um, tell me about when you knew you wanted to be an author. Because one of the things that we have found at Read Aloud Revival, because if you're listening to this podcast, it's because you want your kids to love reading or your kids already do love reading or you want to make it more likely that they will love reading, right? And what happens when kids love reading is then a lot of them, not all of them, but for a lot of them, they also decide, hey, I think I want to write. And so um, next time on the very next episode of this podcast, we are gonna, I'm going to be talking with Brett Harris and Kara Swanson from Young Writers Workshop about how parents can give their kids feedback and encourage their young writers. But before we get there, I was so excited to have you on first so I could talk to you, a homeschooled kid who's not, now not a kid, who's now a young adult, who can look back and go like, okay, this I knew I wanted to be an author when I was this age, and this is what really helped. Like this is the, These are the things that helped that my parents did or didn't do. So tell me when you knew you wanted to be an author. I think I think I kind of spoiled that in the intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as for just writing and telling stories, there's I can't remember a time in my life when I didn't want to be a writer and a storyteller in some capacity. Like one of my earliest memories is of laying under the covers at night whispering stories to myself when I was supposed to be asleep. I don't know how much my parents appreciated that um, <laughs> because I was like five or six at the time. Um But yeah, I've just always been obsessed with telling stories. And yeah, like you said in the intro, it was around age nine that I actually began looking into publication. And for me, that always just felt like a very natural next step. Like it was very obvious to me. I was like, well, I love writing and I love telling stories. The thing you do when you tell stories is share them with other people. Mm -hmm. And the way you do that is put them in books, like (laughs) the ones I check out from the library. Like that was my thought process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Very logical. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I just, I decided, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And it grew from there. Like you said, I went to my first writing conference when I was 10. That was the Illinois Young Authors Conference, which unfortunately does not happen anymore. They lost funding over 2020, which is really sad. Yeah. But before they lost funding, I actually was invited to speak at that conference. Mm. And then they lost funding and I never got to. 
But it was a very cool moment that I was invited to speak at the conference that gave me so much inspiration when I was 10 years old. And yeah, I went on, I did a lot of research and I won't get into too many of the nitty gritty specifics, but I self-published my first book, Honey Butter, when I was 13. And that was kind of the beginning of it. (laughs) So what do you think, like what led to that? There's a difference between a kid saying, like, especially like a 10-year-old and then a 13-year-old saying like, oh, Mm -hmm. I want to write. And then being able to actually finish a story and then be able to self-teach, basically like become an autodidact, right? Like enough to be able to figure out what makes a story, like what do you need to do? Mm -hmm. And then to pull to write the whole thing and then get it to a stage where you can share it with other people. So what do you think helped with that? Was it, I mean, the question that every listener of this podcast who's homeschooling wants to know is, which curriculum taught you to do that? <laughs> I think you already know my answer to this one, Sarah. <laughs> I set you up for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So m- my parents describe our homeschool style as eclectic, which means we didn't use one particular curriculum. We used little bits of different curriculums or made up stuff along the way, depending on what each kid needed at the time. And um, for reference, my family, we have five kids. I am the oldest. I have four younger siblings. Lightful siblings, I might add, because we got to share a meal. And so I've met both of your parents and a couple of your sisters, I think. Yes. Yeah. You've met my two younger sisters. Yes. (laughs) So delightful. So yeah. So our homeschooling was very delight directed and it was based upon what we loved and what we were interested in. So in some ways, it's not even the, the question is not even so much you know, how how did homeschooling impact your writing? It's more about how did my writing impact my homeschool? Oh, wow. um, Yeah, because I, from a very early age, I love to do that. But I, you know, I think there are lots of kids out there who they have their obsessions and the things they love at an early age. But if you don't cultivate that and encourage that and make kids feel like it's valuable, it might not go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I feel like one of the really big things my parents did to help cultivate that was just showing me that they saw my passions as valuable. Um, And for me specifically as an author, like my mom always stopped what she was doing to spell a word when I asked how to spell a word. They would always read stuff that I wrote when I asked them to. Um, Before I could type properly on my own, I actually would tell my stories aloud and they would type them down for me on the computer. And it got to the point where I was doing this so much. And of course, I had like four younger siblings who were like five and under um, at that point. They were very busy that, first of all, they had a mother's helper for a little while. Who She came to do like help my mom with the dishes and folding laundry and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But at one point they were, they said, Christy, your job for today is to sit down and type all of Millie's stories. (laughs) Because she, yeah. She just won't stop. I can see that too. As a mom of like creative kids, I can totally see being like, okay, I see this spark and this drive in my child. And also I am swimming in babies and toddlers and I do not have the time to type stories for her. So I can completely understand this. This makes so much sense to me. Yes. And something else they did um, further along that um, I think ended up being a little bit more productive than telling the babysitter to type my stories was they got me a MP3 recorder for Christmas and I told all my stories into that. And not only was that, yeah, and not only was that super valuable for me as a writer and that creative spark, but now 
now that I'm 20, I have all these old like hour-long recordings of me telling stories and you can hear my siblings in the background and often I'm telling stories with my siblings. So it's just this beautiful like look back at our my childhood better than a photo album in some ways. Oh my gosh, Millie, we need to hear this. So let's hear it. Okay, read a lot of revival. Are you ready? We're going to listen to young Millie recording into her MP3 player. One day, there were a bunch of monkeys in the forest. They liked to live together, but sometimes one could not find the other. Because it was so crowded. One grabbed the other's hand. The other bumped and grabbed another's hand. And soon they were screeching and hooking. They thought it was a funny game. So they grabbed on hand too. Soon they were singing and screeching and dancing for part of the day. And they fell and they screeched to bed. So fun. I love so much. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. It, you know what? It reminds me, all hearing you say all this reminds me of, um, it, it kind of reminds me that the most important thing we can do so often as parents isn't like necessarily knowing the thing that your child, like I'm, okay. And a good example is that my second daughter, who's um, about to turn 20, she'll be 20 by the time this podcast airs. Uh, she's at art school studying sequential arts and illustration. I'm not an art artsy um, I'm a draw. I, I don't draw much, right? Um, I can do some. Like I, I enjoy drawing. I'm just not that great at it. I definitely couldn't teach her. She definitely outpaced me way quicker. Um, it's important for me to understand that and to remember that me teaching her how to draw wasn't the most important thing I could do. Even giving her like the resources and skills to learn how to draw, like signing her up for like top-notch art classes. I never did that because we never had the time or the funds to do it. So she did a lot of teaching by watching artists on YouTube, by looking up like tutorials, by practicing, 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 and by having tons and tons of time to work on that. And so that's what I'm hearing from you too, is like your parents took you seriously, which means they carve out time. And yes, because the fact that they were even willing to say, here, our mother's helper, we have 18 loads of laundry on the couch and the dishes are overflowing, but instead, can you type out Millie's story? means you knew that you were taken seriously, which is yes, so amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. It encouraged me to take it seriously, right? To see it as something I could really turn into a career, something I could pursue. And I could not have done that if my parents had not modeled that to me first, that, hey, you should take time and put aside time to pursue these things and bring beauty to the world. And I think that is so, so important. A lot of voices might tell you that you need to learn how to get better at homeschooling, but I know something about you. You don't actually need to homeschool better. You need to homeschool happier, to have more fun, to smile more, laugh more. You want a twinkle in your eye, (laughs) and you want your kids to know deep in their bones that you love homeschooling them. That twinkle is worth pursuing too, because the key to a successful homeschool is a peaceful, happy mother. And that's what we're committed to helping you become at RAR Premium. RAR Premium is a unique program that offers mentoring for you, the homeschool mom, and we offer Open and Go Family Book Club. This is a family book club you can use with all ages from 4 to 17, and it will explore language arts, reading, and we often dip into writing, science, history, all across the curriculum as we uncover so many good and meaningful ideas. The best news is we do all the prep work for you. 
if you'd like to get a free sample of RAR Premium so you can see if it's a good fit for your family, head to readaloudrevival.com slash sample. Or you can just text RAR sample, one word, to the number 33777 and we'll send it your way. Now back to the show. So would you describe like the writing that you did in your homeschool? Did your mom have you go through any curriculum or did she like let what did that look like? So for me and my writing in my homeschool, I did not write any essays until I was 13 years old and I had actually already published Honey Butter. Amazing. So pretty much all of my writing was just creative writing, mm-hmm. um, even the more nonfiction side of things. So for example, I remember we were doing like a course on plants and herbs um, and they wanted something like written for that curriculum because it was a part of a curriculum. And my mom said that like I could write a poem about it if I wanted. Mm. And Mm -hmm. I remember at one time also in homeschool co-op, they had an assignment that was to write something about like a historical figure, uh, specifically an astronomer. And I wrote a rap about (laughs) Henrietta Swan Leavitt. Oh my goodness, you're like Lynn Manuel Miranda, but the homeschooled female version. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it was around like age 12 or 13 that I actually did start to like learn essay formula and stuff, but my mom was very intentional about when I was younger, um, focusing more on the creative side of things and the things I loved to do um, because I tended to absorb information better that way if I could choose how I wanted to write about it. Mm-hmm. And even outside of writing, we had a lot of conversation and discussion about the subjects in my homeschool. So yeah. she wouldn't even necessarily like assign me, go write a thing. We would just have a discussion about it, which I think is wonderful. But she was always for, you know, really encouraging that creative side in kids because you lose that as you get older. There's this wonderful quote by Picasso. Um, I might get the word slightly wrong, but it is something along the lines of, every child is an artist. The trouble is how he remains an artist as he grows up. Mm. And I think, you know, we should prioritize like nurturing that artist in children instead of trying to get them to conform to the essay standard or whatever. And obviously those things are valuable to learn. But I think especially when kids are young, if anything, you want to err more on the side of just encouraging that creativity. I love this so much because what that means is then when you arrive at essay writing, whenever that happens, 13, Mm -hmm. 14, 15, you haven't associated writing with this painful, torturous, actually yes. a really <laughs> source of joy for you, really. Yeah, absolutely. And I wasn't even taught anything formal in terms of grammar or even spelling until I was a little older. And the way I learned a lot of that in the beginning, naturally, was through my creative writing and um, through storytelling and read-alouds because, you know, you can kind of instinctually tell when a sentence doesn't sound quite right, right? Um, And so the main way I learned a lot of that was I would write these stories and then my mom would read them because I was very excited about the story and I wanted um, her to read them. (laughs) And then she would ask, okay, is it okay if I show you like how to read, how you need to actually spell this? Is it okay Mm. if I point out your grammar mistakes? And usually I said yes, because I wanted to be an author someday. And I knew that that was something Mm -hmm. authors had to do was have correct spelling and grammar. And that was mainly how I learned those more technical skills up until, again, 12 or 13. 
I love this so much. I feel like I'm being very affirmed today. <laughs> no, I homeschool my children um, because I think it always catches people off guard when I say I don't do any writing with my kids except for copy work until they're about usually about 12, actually. But then, um, and, and then they all write stories. They all write letters. They all write journal. Like we'll do like 15 minutes. You can write whatever you want. Right now with my 10s, I have two 10s and an 11 at home. And we do um, about 15 minutes of like dedicated writing time a day, but it's just whatever they want to write. It could be a list. It could be a letter. It could be a journal entry or a diary entry. Um, a lot of times it's stories. And my job is to sit there and spell words when they say, mom, how do you spell? whatever. Yes. It made me insane as a kid when I would ask how to spell something and either my parent or a teacher would say, look it up in the dictionary. Oh my goodness. I can't imagine. I, was I like, know. <laughs> how am I supposed to look it up in the dictionary if it's organized by how it's spelled? And exactly. I don't <laughs> It even got to the point for my mom because she was spelling stuff for us all the time, just like while she's cooking dinner, that at some point we would ask her like different questions, not how to spell something, but we would be like, mom, what's for dinner? And she would go D-I-N-N-E-R. <laughs> she would just start spelling it. That's, that's amazing. I love it so yeah. much. Well, the good thing is instead of saying like, oh, sound it out, if you just tell them how it's spelled a couple of times in, they usually get it. Well, yeah. and if you think about how do you learn things as an adult, right? Um, this was something I talked about with at my homeschool co-op, my group, the leader of my group who we called the tutor, something she talked about was like, you know, when you're an adult and let's say you're trying to learn the password for, um, like your job, if you're working at a place where you have to unlock the doors, mm -hmm. what do you do? You write it down, you check it and you like have to probably check that paper a thousand times before you actually have it memorized, but eventually you do. So there's actually nothing wrong with learning that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. It's very useful. It's exactly asking that question of like, how do I get this information when I need it as an adult yes. is a really good way to approach things. I think I love that. We have young writers I know who are listening to this episode. I know who are excited by this idea of like, wait a second, this is somebody who's done it, who is self-published books now has some traditionally published books in just yes. released and also in the works. So what is your advice that you would give young writers who want to do something similar? Okay. So my main piece of advice, and I'm saying this because it is something I never heard as a young writer, is when you're starting out, the goal should be quantity over quality. Because I know a lot of kids, and this was me included, you know, you feel kind of guilty if you're like, oh, I can't finish any of these projects. I get these big book ideas, but then I they, they end up being unfinished. And I move on to something else. Or maybe I do stick with it, but it's been three years and I'm still not getting anywhere, right? Um, and I want to say, no, when you're starting out, that is not a problem. In fact, it's a good thing. The reason you often have unfinished manuscripts and unfinished projects is because you'll outgrow your current project skill-wise before you have the time to finish it. And that just means you're growing really fast as a writer. I so, have never heard somebody say that, and it makes so much sense. Yes, yeah. And this is this is something I never heard, but it's 100% true in both my writing and all my friends who are authors as well, um, stuff they agree with as well. Because let's say when you're seven, you come up with this very cool um, story idea, and you're like, oh, it's going to be a seven-book series. <laughs> um, but then a couple of years pass, and you haven't even finished the first draft. Okay, well, you've learned so much more as a writer that I bet if you went back and started a new story, structure-wise, it would be better because you know more about writing now, and you know how character arcs work. So instead of trying to finish the character arc you created 
two years ago, create a new character arc now, now that you're better at it. And even just do lots of short stuff, short stories, poems, free writes, writing exercises. There's nothing wrong with attempting that amazing novel or series you've been dreaming of, but I noticed a major improvement in my own writing when I started incorporating more short writing challenges into my day-to-day Um, which really helped me a lot when I did get to those longer projects. And even just a great example of that is Honey Butter, my first book that I published when I was 13. It is only like 150 pages long. It is not a long book. It's a very short book. And that was purposeful because I knew I wanted to start small and slowly like stair step bigger. Um, I did ballet for a while when I was younger and my ballet teacher had this saying, I'd rather see a clean single than a dirty double. Hmm. And what she meant by that was she was talking about PK turns and she was saying she'd rather see a dancer do one turn, which is a simpler move, and nail it and do it really, really well, than attempt two turns and make it a little bit messy, even if they did complete it. So that was my mindset um, going into Honey Butter. I want to write a story that is simple and that is short and make it as clean as possible and best quality as possible rather than attempt something long and complicated and maybe not feel 100% confident in it by the time it's done. So I think shorter and simpler is a great place to start. And those shorter and simpler things mean that you will be able to write the longer, more complex stories in the future. Because what was my second book? It was twice the length of Honey Butter. And it was a fantasy with magic system and a much more complicated plot and Latin. <laughs> so, <laughs> so delightful Latin, I will say. Yes. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Well, cleverly. <laughs> so yeah, and I, I just want to encourage young writers, if you're struggling with anything like that, it's not a problem. It's a sign that you're growing. And even those unfinished projects help you grow, grow as a writer. So, so good. Okay, let's talk about that book because um, that, that yes. second book of yours, which you self-published at 15. Am I remembering that yes. right? Yes, I self-published that at 15. And the original title was Lydia Green of Mulberry Glen. <laughs> I read this book after I finished Honey Butter. And I went, I think we need to publish this at Waxwing. And so I reached out to you. Well, actually, I think we did this over dinner, right? We did, Yes. <laughs> I was going to, we, we, it was the first time you and I met in person after the original time yes. we met. And I think you thought we were going to talk about this, you, having you on the show, right? Uh, maybe. Did you think that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And um, instead, I said, well, yeah, I, I actually want to have you on Read a Lot of Revival, absolutely. But I really want to talk about Lydia Green of Mulberry Glen because I would love to republish it at Waxwing with a new title, a new cover, and a revision. And we are working on it now. It's going to be our first middle grade novel we are releasing at Waxwing out in spring of 2024. We've retitled it Beyond Mulberry Glen, and it is astounding. I am working on some edit revisions, uh, your revisions that you did. I'm doing an edit of them right now, and it is just stunning. I'm so excited. I cannot wait. In fact, I'm really excited to finish this passive revision so I can read it aloud to my kids because I... (laughs) As I that was, makes me so happy. Well, it's so funny, Millie. I'm sitting at my kitchen table the other night and I'm working on some edits and I was um, trying to figure out why a sentence wasn't working. So I, st- I went back up and I kind of read it aloud, that section. And then I stopped and I was just thinking quietly. And then I, I hear my 11-year-old like pitter-patter out. She pokes her head around the corner and goes, could you just keep reading? <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. my word. It was amazing. It was, I was like, I know, right? Just wait. I'll read you the whole thing. 
So that has made my day. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the cover is being illustrated by Astrid Shekels, and she's doing this beautiful map for the interior end papers and some beautiful interior sketches. I'm so excited about this book. So I am so excited for it to come out and just like to breathe some new life into it and for this new audience to meet all these characters that I've so passionate about. And oh my goodness, I am so thrilled to have Astrid as an illustrator. I am so excited um, for everyone to see the cover. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm uh, me too. I'm I'm beside myself with excitement over here. So at, when this episode airs, everybody, you can go to beyondmulberryglen.com and we'll take you to a place where you can sign up to get email notifications when that book is ready for pre-order because you're not going to want to miss it. We'll also send you like a fun cover reveal and fun things like that. So go to beyondmulberryglen.com so you don't miss that. It's going to be Waxwing's first novel, and we're very excited about it. But you also have another novel that people don't have to wait until spring of 24. uh, Yes. You have another novel we should talk about. This one's out from Bandersnatch Books, our friends at Bandersnatch. They're doing great work over there. And tell us about The Balter of Ashton Harper. Yes. So The Balter of Ashton Harper is my most recent novel, my third novel for middle graders. And it is historical fantasy set in the Regency era. So imagine like Jane Austen, but with magic and adventure and written for kids. Yep. <laughs> that's exactly it. That's, that's a good description. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the story of 12-year-old Ashton Harper, who has three problems, and two of them are his sisters. <laughs> First, Drusilla, the oldest, who has decided that all she cares about is muslin and courtship. Second, Zizi, the youngest, a stubborn optimist who is constantly pushing her brother as outside of his comfort zone, whether it's in their dancing lessons or his disbelief in magic. And third, their invitation to audition for a ballroom dancing scholarship at the prestigious Overmorrow Academy of Arts, which could be either a dream come true or a hope-crushing failure. And as a proud, sarcastic realist, Ashton is betting on the latter. The Harper siblings set out for Overmorrow, but their opportunity evaporates when mysterious magical ruins wreak havoc on the travelers. Ashton is separated from his sisters, trying to make sense of a power that he thought only existed in fairy tales. And soon, much more is at stake than just attending the school of his dreams. And by the time this podcast airs, that book will be out. It will be published. Yes, just freshly out, right? Just It just hit the shelves. So if you're listening to this episode, you can go order your copy. And I highly, highly recommend it. <laughs> yes, you can go to my website, millieflorence.com to find the link to that book where you can order it as well as Honey Butter. You can actually get a free ebook and audiobook copy of Honey Butter on my website. I know uh, this is Read Aloud Revival, right? There are a lot of moms who are into audiobooks. So there's actually a free audiobook version of Honey Butter narrated by me, which you can get when you go to my website and sign up for my email newsletter. Awesome. And we'll put links to all of this in the show notes as well. So you don't have to miss a thing. I'm so excited. Millie, I'm excited for your work because, girl, you're 20 years old and you are on a roll. And every time I read something you wrote, I'm like, yes, more, please. So I'm really excited to see what you have up your sleeve next. Is there anything you want to say to Read Aloud Revival listeners before we wrap up? I just want to say thank you because this is, I'm so happy to be here and I hope everyone enjoys all my stories because my main goal with writing these is just to bring a little bit more wonder and beauty to the world. Um, And yeah, thank you so much for having me, Sarah. This has been absolutely wonderful. Thank you. 
All right, it's time for Let the Kids Speak, where we find out what Read Aloud Revival kids are reading lately. Hi, I'm Cairo, and I'm 12 years old. I live in California, and my favorite book series is The Last Dragon Chronicles, because it's funny and mind-bending. If you're into dragon lore, you should totally check it out. Hi, my name is Katya, and I'm 14 years old. I live in California, and my favorite book series is Chrysanthemum. If you like Harry Potter or The School for Good and Evil, you should definitely read it. Hi, my name is Kinley, and I'm from Damascus, Maryland. And my favorite book right now is How to Train Your Dragon by Cressida Cowell. Okay, my name is Eva, and I'm five years old, and I'm from、um, Grand Haven, Michigan. And my favorite book is The Shy Little Kitten because I love cats. Hi, my name is Sophia, and I'm 11 years old, and I'm from Grand Haven, Michigan. And my favorite book is Jane of Lantern Hill because I like the part where she gets her cats and when she cleans the house. My name is Eliana, and I am nine years old, and I'm from Grand Haven, Michigan. And the book I like is Upside Down Magic series because I like animals. My name is Ruby, and I'm from Pennsylvania. My favorite book series is The Babysitters Club. My name is David, and I live in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And my favorite book is Harry Potter, and I like it when Harry Potter enters the Forbidden Forest. Thank you so much, kids. I wonder if any of you will write books like our guest today, Millie Florence. Show notes with links to all of Millie's books are at readaloudrevival.com/slash-two-thirty-four. I'll be back in two weeks. Next up on the show are guests Brett Harris and Kara Swanson from Young Writer and Author Conservatory. They're going to join me to talk about how to give your young creative writer feedback, even if you don't have an English degree, even if you don't have much writing know-how. It's such a good conversation. I cannot wait to share it with you. Until then, you know what to do: go make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Are you still here? Okay, well, I am too, and I wanted to check to see if you've had a chance to download the samples from RAR Premium yet. RAR Premium is committed to helping you become the peaceful, happy mom you're called to be, so that your kids know deep in their bones that you just love homeschooling them, and also so that they can become lifelong voracious readers. Get a free sample of RAR Premium by going to readaloudrevival.com/sample, or by texting the word RAR sample. Like it's one word, all squished together, <laughs> to the number three three seven seven seven.